following is a presentation of Main Street Preps, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee. High school football rolls on this Friday with week eight. Uh, we talked about our takeaways from last week, preview the big games upcoming this week, and we also interview Summit head coach Brian Coleman. All that's coming up next on the Main Street Preps podcast. This is the Main Street Preps podcast, covering high school sports all across Middle Tennessee. Here are your hosts, Russell Venozzi and Tyler Palmatier. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Main Street Preps podcast. I'm Russell Venozzi, joined by my co-host, Tyler Palmatier. And um, here we are, sitting in the beginning of week eight. Tyler, a lot to catch up on this week. Um, First off, how are you doing? Oh, doing good. Hanging in there. Hard to believe we're just, gosh, we're so close to the end of the regular season here. I know. Yeah, we're both still in one piece, so that's that's great. We're making it through uh, kind of the grind of the fall here, and uh, mm-hmm. so are all the teams in the area. Um, got some got some stuff to talk about from last week. Uh, of course, later on, we'll preview this week's games. Um, and like you heard at the top, we were going to talk to Summit coach Brian Coleman about his team's fantastic start. Uh, so, Tyler, let's start out here with uh, just some thoughts on last week. What are is there anything that stood out to you that happened? Yeah, some of the things. Uh, I mean, I'll kind of start with the game I was at. Uh, you know, Summit's Summit's forty nine twenty eight win over Ravenwood was was definitely really impressive. It, it was my first time to see Destin and Keaton Wade for Summit, and I just I could not have been more impressed with what they did and. Really, without I mean, we, we've written about it a bunch, and we've got obviously got Brian on the show today, so we're going to get to this. But um, you know, I would say just maybe the most impressive thing about them was the physicality, the way that they they kind of just bully people out there. And being seen as that they're twin brothers, and they've kind of always been on the same team, they kind of just feed off each other. And uh, you know, usually it's Keaton blocking for Destin out of the backfield, or at least on a lot of those carries. <clears throat> so they're kind of just playing a different brand of football out there than everybody else. And it's, it's very difficult to stop. And we'll hear more about why some it's been pretty tough from coach Coleman. Uh, it's, it's really more than the way it's obviously it's a big, ba- it's, it's a lot of balance on that team. Uh, I, I you're going to get to some of these things that we both kind of agreed on that were big last week, but I, I thought what Kane Ridge did, to beat Smyrna 20 to seven and keep them in the hunt to win that region was, was really important. And I, and I say that because when you go back and look at their schedule, they've really, they've really played some tough teams and um, taken some lumps, you know, 38, 19 against Pearl Cone, 48 to nothing against father Ryan, uh, 42 to 10 against CPA. That's, that's pretty tough. Um, and to be able to bounce back from that, I think, and, and it stay alive is, is pretty important. Uh, you know, Siobhan Abdullah, he threw, he's thrown for 874 yards and uh, 10 touchdowns. There's been the six interceptions, but guys like that, I think, are kind of just grinding them through the season and, and, and still playing. So I, I think that was a, a good effort from Kane Ridge. Yeah, it's, it's been great to see how they've responded. Each time after they've had a big loss like that, they bounce back the next week. So that's a good quality to have in a team. And, uh, you know, speaking of games that we covered last week, I was at uh, Pope Prep NBA, and uh, the big news out of that one was that Marcel Reed suffered some sort of shoulder injury. We're not sure how severe. Uh, Coach Marty Uvar was hoping it was just a bruise afterwards, but um, 
Anyways, we'll just have to see how that shakes out. But it was his throwing uh, shoulder, so that is a little bit of a problem. Uh, he was in a sling. Uh, his right arm was in a sling on the sideline for the second half. He didn't come back in. And actually, once I got home, I realized I had video, uh, a very uh, homemade amateur video of what happened. Uh, and it doesn't really – it kind of pans away from him right after he gets hit. But it was a play at the goal line, and uh, he kind of rolled out to, I guess, his left and he was just out there on his own, uh, got the throw off just in time, but a, a Pope Prep linebacker just came flying right at him unblocked. Um, and it looked like his helmet kind of flew into his right shoulder and hit him pretty pretty good. He went down, um, and that was that was it for him. So uh, a big loss for NBA. They were still able to pull out that win, though, 2017. Their defense was a big reason why. Uh, they were able to keep Kenny Minchie and that prolific Knights offense in check, um, amazingly. And uh, so, yeah, they, they really rode the defense to that win, and they're going to need them again this week playing Innsworth, and we'll talk about that game in a little bit. But uh, it will be interesting to see if Marcel Reed's able to go in that one or if he's going to miss a couple weeks or, or even longer than that. We'll, we'll just have to see. And then my other big thought on last week was uh, station camp, 6-0 and for the first time in what feels like forever. And uh, full disclosure, that's, that's actually where I went to high school, so I, you know, have – just have a good understanding of kind of the history of station camp. And it's a short history, of course. It, I think the school opened around um, 2002, 2001. So um, anyways, but they were kind of like, you know, the Nolansville Summit, Green Hills of the World, where they opened up and uh, had some success kind of in those first few, first few years, um, made the playoffs and all that. Uh, but they fell on hard times, really, I mean – the team has not been the same since 2013 when they had Josh Malone. He was a Mr. Football uh, Award winner. He went on to Tennessee, was a star receiver there, and then he's kind of been in and out of the NFL the last couple of years. But uh, that team lost in the second round of the 6A playoffs, and uh, it's kind of a, a crazy way they lost. Uh, fog just overtook the whole field. And Station Camp, you know, having a great receiver like Josh Malone, had really a strong passing offense, and the fog was just so, so thick you really couldn't pass the ball well. And uh, they ended up losing it overtime in that one. And, you know, ever since that night, the program, you know, they haven't had a winning season. Uh, they actually went 0-10 in 2019 and 2020 back-to-back, so 0-20 consecutively. Just just really rough times for a school that excels in every other sport. And that was kind of the weird thing about it is, you know, the basketball team's good, soccer team's winning state titles. Uh, but football is finally coming around under Brent Alexander, a, a longtime NFL player. And uh, they beat Mount Juliet last week at kind of a signature win for them and uh just great to see you know a turnaround there it's been a good story and uh we'll see if they can keep it up heading into these last couple weeks of the season yeah what an upset that was uh i don't i don't remember off the top of my head how many people in our in our picking uh contest or or on our staff picks pick station camp but i don't believe i did and um that was that was an offense that was really playing well for mount juliet station camp uh, did well to to hold the offense to, I believe, nine points. Emily Spears, her only picks upsets, won that game. She actually went five and five this oh, past week. So, oh. yeah, there was uh, quite a few games that went against the uh, the spread, if you will, if that even exists. But uh, yeah, She's a renegade. She is. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Station Camp, that moves us into our top 25 rankings. Station Camp um, was the biggest mover there. They went from number 22 to number 2015 for that 28 to 27 win over previously unbeaten Mount Juliet. Um, Otherwise, the top seven teams in the rankings are still the same, so not a whole lot of movement up top. 
There were two new in- entries, though. Uh, number 21, Lebanon, and num- number 23, Rockvale. Uh, both hopped into the rankings. They are both 6-1, and one, so great starts for them, too. And uh, to make room for them, Smyrna and Stewart's Creek dropped out after losses. And, uh, Tyler, before we get to our interview with Coach Coleman, I think just need to clear the air on something here. Uh, we keep getting flack every week for having uh, teams with losing records in there. Uh, Brentwood and Independence are both in there right now at 3-4. and four. And I've just got to say, strength of schedule is very important in these rankings. Like, you can go be 7-0 and right now, but if you've played nothing but cupcakes and 3A schools and downtrodden private schools, you're, just, you're probably going to have a hard time getting into the rankings. But Independence, like Coach Coleman will talk about later, I mean, they've played Lipscomb, they've played CPA, they've played all these Williamson County schools. Um, if Independence played an easier schedule, they could very well be undefeated right now or 6-1 and or whatever. So, anyways, just, just want to say that uh, even if these teams have losing records, that's that's not necessarily um, indicative of how strong of a team they are. And NBA, same thing. They're in the top ten, but they're four and three. So, you know, but NBA has played some of the best teams across the state. So that's kind of how we do that. Just just want to let everybody know. And with that, let's talk to Summit head coach Brian Coleman. And we're joined now by Brian Coleman, Summit football head coach. Obviously, uh, coaches a team that won Class 5A last year and gets kind of a new challenge this year in Class 6A, but it hasn't really been uh, much of a – at least it's looked easy so far. I don't really know – I don't know how you've done that, Brian, but let's let's start there. You obviously won Class 5A last year. You've moved up. Uh, What's kind of been the hardest part just in general about bringing a defending state champion – into another year with big expectations? Well, naturally, you're going to get everybody's best game, and now you're getting everybody's best game in 6A, which makes it a whole lot more challenging. Uh, and not not there weren't bad coaches in 5A, but these but these coaches in 6A are elite. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, you're talking about a Will Hester, and he's, he's just a great coach over at Ravenwood. And Coach Pinch at Brentwood, just, just a great coach. Uh and Crabtree at Beats. I mean, those are a few of the coaches and programs that we've been playing against uh, uh, so far. Uh, so, I mean, but, you know, like I told people, the, the motivation was, was instantly there. Uh, you know, after winning a state state championship in 5A, the, your, these kids are automatically motivated by going into 6A saying, you know, uh, let's prove that we can do it in 6A also. So, uh, you know, instant motivation for us as a coaching staff to, uh, throughout the summer and and even early through the season so far. And Brian, your team has lived up to those high expectations. Um, how great has it been that it just so happened that your first year in Class 6A also happened to line up with uh, Summit having one of the strongest teams that, that maybe it's ever had in program history? Oh, it helps. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we're, we've got a very strong senior class, a uh, very, very strong senior class led by the Wade Twins and, you know, Brady Pierce and, and Cooper Cook. Those are our captains. Uh, I mean, you can go up and down the line of these seniors, and everybody contributes. Everybody's a really, really good, hard-nosed football player. So making that transition this year was was a godsend. Just, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was one of our smaller classes. I guess it'd be a, a, a more of a struggle, but but thank goodness it's happened with one of our bigger classes. And if you go up a classification, you know, naturally you're going up because your student body is growing. So our student body is growing. So we're getting more kids out. Uh, the biggest team we've ever had, uh, varsity-wise and freshman-wise. So, you know, as your school gets bigger, naturally the the numbers of football uh, grow too. 
you mentioned you mentioned this guy's name, Brady Pierce. Uh, let's talk about him for a second. He runs the ball for you guys. He plays receiver. He has three interceptions this year. What's one thing you would tell a college recruiter if they asked you about Brady? Uh, he's a football player. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, that's that's a general term, but but if I'm telling a coach, he is a football player. He is a old school football player. He understands football. He understands defenses, offensively, offenses. Great tackler, uh, nose for the ball. I mean, he just understands things. Uh, I mean, I've told this story. I don't know if y'all have heard it before, but we played Brentwood. Uh, they're probably third and goal from about the four. And their team, some of their guys are doing the gator chomp. Well, Brady puts that gator chomp with Tebow and Tebow pass. So he puts all those things together. Well, here they go. They throw a Tebow pass. He intercepts it and takes it 30, 40 yards the other way. So those wheels are always turning. And I mean, that's a, that's a 17 year old kid, you know, that thinking in a, in the middle of a ball game, all those things, putting them things together. I mean, there's a lot of coaches don't even do that. So that just tells you his, the football IQ he brings to the table. Yeah. Brian, as a follow up there, what, how, how do you see, where would you see him fitting in in college on, on what side of the ball is that, is that determined at this point? You know, I don't know. I mean, he could definitely be for his size and for colleges, the way they, they use guys, his size, I'd say a slot receiver, you know, the, the Edelman type, type hard nose receiver. He'll go over the middle. He'll, he'll catch anything, but he's got enough speed to run away from man to man coverage. I mean, that's what people are doing to us right now. They're, some of them are you doing man-to-man coverage, and and we're putting him in the slot and just running post and fade, and and I mean he's just it's just he's just beating the coverage. So, and if you go defensively, I'd say a roll-down safety, a strong safety type kid, or, or a boundary corner would be my guess. Uh, you know, I mean he's he's physical and and can make tackles and and at any point in the field. And you mentioned Destin and Keaton Wade a, a minute ago. Um, just from afar, my observations about them, it seems like they're the perfect combination of being talented players. Uh, they're good teammates, humble people. You know, they stay afterward to sign autographs and take pictures with everybody. Um, yeah. how, how do the Wades and their personalities kind of set the tone for your team? I mean, it's just, it, yeah, it, 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 everybody loves them and, 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 and deservedly so. I mean, they're just great kids and I mean, great teammates. If, if I'm an offensive lineman and I've got both of them behind me and, I mean, heck, I'd want to, I'd want to work my butt off too, and, and block really well for them too. So, uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, everybody in the community loves them. All the teachers, I mean, everybody is around them. Reporters, anybody that's around them, they're just personable guys and and, and humble. And, and I mean, it's it's hard not to love them. So, uh, it's great too that they're great athletes and and see the things that they do on the field. And Destin is such a tough runner. <clears throat> he's, he, he looks like he's so hard to bring down, one, because of his size. He's well over 200 pounds, over 6'3", but he's got this kind of extra gear speed-wise now. If you were a opposing defensive coordinator, how do you best defend him? Oh, man, you know, I don't know. I think I think people have given a shot at that. Uh, you can't really run man-to-man coverage and pack the box. Because now we've got wide receivers that can beat man-to-man coverage, and if we ever break that seal, well, then you got safeties and corners with their back turned to him. So it's a so there's a big play capability, and we do a lot of motion. So it's hard to man-to-man cover. Uh, you can put a spy on him, I think, but if you do that, then you're taking somebody out of coverage. Uh, so I, 
You know, I don't. You can feel the box. I think we're good enough to throw it on the corners. If you if you play coverage uh, and don't rush many, kind of keep them in front. Our offensive line is good enough to hold that up and maybe form some creases for him to run. I mean, it's not. He he's not looking to. If we thought if we call a pass like, he's not looking to run the ball first. He'll sit in that pocket for four or five seconds as long as the old line will give him that time. And he's got that internal clock, and he thinks that. You know, if he thinks it's time to run, there's a big gaping hole there, he will. And sometimes it's been 30 yards before he's even touched. So, you know, defending defending us right now, I, I want to say it's pretty tough. I'd like to say it's pretty tough just because of the other weapons around him. And that Summit offense obviously draws a lot of headlines, and, and deservedly so, but your defense is also putting together a pretty nice season uh, somewhat quietly. They're only average, They're only allowing about 14 points per game. What do you make of the way that the uh, defensive group has been playing so far? Well, it's led by Coach Taylor, uh, Coach Kirk Taylor. Let's see, our defense coordinator last year, Alex Melton, left to go to be head coach at Franklin. And uh, Coach Taylor's been on the staff since day one, uh, you know, as a linebacker coach. And, and he just said, Coach, he said, I want the opportunity. I want I want the challenge to do that. And he has worked his butt off all offseason. And even during the season, just the film work and the, and the time that he puts into it is unreal. And I think the kids see that, and, and they just helps them buy into you know what he's what he's teaching, what he's doing, what schemes we're doing, and and I mean you're right. I mean our defense is really unsung. We're they're playing lights out. And some of these touchdowns are, are that 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 you see on the scoreboard are, are in the fourth quarter that are really really late when the game's already in hand. So some of them numbers are kind of skewed uh, of how good of a job they actually are doing. Uh, so I mean. It's just, I mean, they're playing as a unit right now, and it's fun to watch. I mean, you're led by Brady Pierce and Keaton, and you've got unsung guys. You've got Maddox Reed at defensive line. You've got, I mean, we've got two good middle linebackers. Uh, we just, I mean, we've got guys like John Sloan. He's, you've never heard that name before. He's our nose. I mean, he's taking on double teams and, and, and things of that nature where he's not necessarily making the tackle, but he's definitely making the play and, and, and just, just unselfish players that we have. Yeah, and I was I was kind of wanting to ask you something along those lines. You mentioned John Sloan, one of your one of your many seniors. And you guys rely a lot on Destin Keaton because and, and they get a lot of recognition. But this big senior class really has contributors at all different positions, and, and they play all kinds of roles. When all this is said and done, what will this senior class as a whole mean to you, Brian? Oh gosh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean. Everybody before us have, 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 have built this program. I mean, even even back to the 0-10 years, the struggle that those guys had and, and had a, 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 the season the next year was, was a 4-6 and six and then a, like a 7-4 and four and then a 10-3. and three. So, I mean, every class has gotten better. Every class has contributed to this program. Uh, this senior class, I mean, even ever since freshman, I mean, I don't know their total record, but if you look at it, I mean <laughs> – I mean, they're a, a state champion runner-up. They're a, they're a state champion, and and hope, I don't know what's going on this year, but I mean, already what six, seven, and zero. Oh, so uh, a lot of accomplishments that they have had, and I mean, it's just they put Summit on the map for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, I mean, you can go down the line of all these guys are just they're just contributors. I mean, you got we got a center, Ty Garbar center. I mean, he he's a great offensive lineman. You don't hear his name. I mean, just they're just names that you just don't hear Jacob Turner a middle linebacker I mean he's leading the team in tackles that's another name you don't hear so I mean it's just so many contributors so many and and again just 
unsung guys that don't care about the spotlight. They just enjoy playing each week and, and enjoy playing with their teammates. And so the border battle is coming up this Friday. Uh, and coming in, Independence is 3-4, and four, and it might be easy to gloss over that and, and think that's not going to be much of a game. But you dig deeper, deeper and you see that Independence has played a very tough schedule. They've got a high, high-powered offense. Um, what's going to be the key to, to winning that game and overcoming a, a solid Independence team that uh, maybe their record isn't quite indicative of how good they are? Oh, yeah, you're right. They're, they play one heck of a schedule. I mean, you look at Liskam and CPA and, and the teams that they played uh, – just, just unbelievable schedule that that coach had to had to put together. Uh, I mean, there. I mean, our our key to winning, I believe, is, is limit the big play. I mean, you've got a really good quarterback with a really good arm. You've got some good. You got Lockwood and Katina at receiver, and even a slot receiver that's really really good. So, I mean, those fades to Katina, we just got to contain that and not give up the big play. Just make them snap it over and over again, and uh, you know, hopefully they can make a mistake, but just cannot. Cannot give up the chunk plays. Uh, and always the same offensively, you know, protect the football and, 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 you know, don't make mistakes there. You know, don't, no penalties, don't get behind the chains. Just, just, just the typical offensive statement there. But, but definitely defensively, don't give up the big plays. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for joining us, man. Um, Summit's on a real roll right now. It's going to be interesting to see how the season finishes up. Good luck to you guys, Brian, as the season closes out, okay? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, it is now time to make our picks for some of the top Week 8 games. We, and we've got to start with CPA at, at Oakland, another Thursday night showdown between a top private school in Oakland. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they were able to take down Lipscomb Academy uh, at the end. Tyler, what about this game? Do you, do you think CPA can have any better luck against Oakland? I think it could be potential to be a pretty good game. Um, I, I just came away from that Oakland contest pretty impressed by, you know, they can they can put out some athletes on the field to make up some ground, and Jordan James is good as they come. I mean, look what he did against that second half to, to just single-handedly bring Oakland back into that game is really impressive. So I, I just have a hard time picking against Oakland at this point. Uh, nothing against CPA. There's going to be some fantastic play, you know, I think up front. Really, these neither team's super vertical, I mean, if at all. So it's going to be, if you like real physical smash mouth football, there's going to be a lot of that. And I, um, So it's, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I got Oakland 31-24. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I, I of course, picked flips from Academy last time, and uh, game came right down to the last play. I was feeling pretty good about it but uh anyways don't think i can do the same thing here can't bet against oakland again uh both these teams are undefeated something to note too so somebody's gonna have a loss after this game but um i just think it's great that we're getting a matchup like this that cpa and oakland are actually willing to play each other so i think that deserves some recognition too but i've got oakland 24 to 17 i'm I'm just cpa's got a great team we got langston patterson and Cade law quarterback you, you can never really count them out against anybody and we've seen that this year they they beat uh nba they beat brentwood academy um had a great year but um yeah there's just something about the just the athletes that oakland has and um i mean jordan james like you said he took that lipscomb game over and uh just really hard to tackle really hard to catch up to and I think at some point Oakland will find a way to pull it out. But I do think it could be a really good game. So we'll just have to see. Next up, we've got Innsworth at NBA. And uh, 
you know, like we said, it's a big question mark with NBA right now, not knowing the health of Marcel Reed. Um, but we do know quite a bit about Innsworth and the strong season they've had. I believe they only have one loss this year. Uh, Levi Moore at quarterback has put up some big numbers with uh, receivers Jacob Page and Shamar Porter being his top two targets. And uh, they've really turned things around after a tough season last year where they went two and seven. And um, even though this is at NBA and that's a really tough environment to play in, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and pick Innsworth 28-21 to 21 over the Big Red. Yeah, I've got Innsworth 28-27. I just, without knowing Marcel Reed's status, and I would think an injury to his throwing shoulder, um, I know this is a big game, but there's just so much... Uh, He's got such a big future, and and not just in college, but in you know if you just look at NBA's football season, there there's more playoffs to be played. If this is minor, he can get over it and maybe come back and play in the playoffs. If, if that's the extent of the injury, he's also on the basketball team. There's just zero reason to rush him back this week to play. So let's I think with his status and the way Innsworth's been playing. Um, Man, this was pretty tough, but I like Innsworth 28-27. I just think if it comes down to an X factor and the, and the NBA doesn't have Marcel Reed, that's kind of what turns it for me. I think NBA's probably still capable of winning this game, but uh, I like Innsworth by a point, 28-27. should also note that that's not a region game either. Even though they are both in the same classification, they are in separate regions. I believe Innsworth is in the West region, and then NBA is in the, no, uh, the Middle East. So um, anyways... But yeah, no, so you're on to something there of, of why Reed may not play since that does not have um, any playoff implications there. But uh, next up, we've got Beach at Springfield. Um, Springfield, a very, very tough place to play. I wish I had this in front of me, how many losses they've had at home over, say, the last five years or so, but you can count them on one hand. Springfield, uh, they've had a good team year in, year out, and especially at home, they just they don't lose. That said, Beach's offense... Um, has really had his moments this season, and that's not something that they're doing it a little differently than they have before. Usually, Beach is just a run-first, run-heavy team, uh, but they've got a good quarterback. They've got a couple good pass catchers and Andrew Page, and um, help me out here, Tyler. Jackson Long, that's the other. Um, two, two big recruits there, pass catchers, um, and so they really are stretching the field quite a bit this year. And Springfield has played well defensively, but um, I don't know. There's just something about that beach offense that kind of has me leaning towards them. So I went beach 21, Springfield 14. Yeah, I've got something similar. I just think it's maybe by the end of the by the end of the night, it's going to be a few too many weapons for Springfield. I like beach 24-14. And next up is Cane Ridge at Overton. Uh, Tyler, you were talking about Cane Ridge earlier. Uh, Sounds like you're pretty high on them. How do you see this this matchup shaking out? Yeah, I like Cambridge win. I don't know that I'm necessarily super high on them. I haven't, I've only seen them scrimmage, so I'm not really sure, like, you know, how deep of a run they could make. I, I think what they've done so far has been impressive, um, and, or I should say valiant, you know, in that they've they've taken their lumps and, and been blown out several times, but still are winning the games they need to win that, that could push them to, to win the region. Um, I like Cambridge to win 27-17. I, I think defensively, there's a lot of good pieces there. Uh, Malik Campbell is a guy who's rushed for 545 yards this year, just kind of a steady back. Uh, that in addition to what Siobhan Abdullah does at quarterback, I, I think um, this could be a, a fun game. And two coaches that have been around Metro for a while and Eddie Woods and Coach Broom, but uh, I, I like I like Cambridge 27-17. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I got Canridge 35, Overton 28. Um, should also know this is a Thursday night game, so if you're looking to check it out, uh, be sure to double check your calendar there. Um, but you're right. Yeah, Canridge is getting close to this region 6-6A title. They're undefeated in league play. Uh, and if they can get through Overton, their last district opponent is Dixon County. So, um, you know, can't ever, can't ever count a win before it happens, but Dixon County obviously has struggled uh, the past several years. So they can... They have a chance to go undefeated in their region and uh, lock up that number one seed in, in a home playoff game. So uh, good for Kane Ridge. And Tyler, unless you've got anything else, that should do it for today's episode. Um, thanks, for everybody, for joining us. Uh, and you can check us out at MainStreetPreps.com for all the latest high school sports news across the mid-state. And follow us on Twitter at MainStreetPreps. And find us on Facebook um, just by typing in MainStreetPreps. So thanks again for tuning in. And we will be back right here next week with another episode of the Main Street Preps podcast. You've been listening to the Main Street Preps Podcast, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee, with your hosts, Russell Venozzi and Tyler Palmatier. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, visit MainStreetPreps.com.